yo, yo. You know what's about to happen. Another hour of the new world coming live at you. I'm Greg Colossal, and I got something to say. Today we're opening the can of worms about something near and dear to my heart. The world of education. Now, I've never been a typical teacher or a typical student, so you're not going to hear much on this podcast that's going to fit in with any mainstream ideas that we might have been taught and told. But what it does come from is 25 years, I dare say 35 years of being submerged in the world where I closely studied students, my fellow peers, and teachers went to college and held positions in order to teach, lead, and guide all kinds of kids. Those kids, well, they're now adults. And what I learned along the way is that you can't find one way to educate an entire population. That would be called programming. So sit back. Listen up, we're going to hit about ADHD, Down syndrome, autism, ODD, and lots of other substantial acronyms. We love education. We love learning here at the New World, but we're going to flip it upside down today in the next hour because you're listening to the New World. Hello, everybody. Let's see if I still have reverb on my voice. Yeah. Sometimes I do the podcast uh, inside a tunnel underneath a bridge because it's lonely and I just like to hang out under the bridge. Just kidding. That's just a little effect. I know you probably thought it was real. Hello, friends and lovers. Uh, Maybe my haters are on here. Maybe my uh, brothers are on here. Maybe my relatives. Maybe my... uh, Who knows? I do like all of you, even though some of you may not like me. Sorry. But I don't know um, how else to be. I'm kind of... I just like people. And uh, I keep on creating. When you want to create, you've got to keep moving. You move through the dark stuff and the bad stuff and the hurtful stuff and... It's not always intelligent. It seems intelligent because you're creating. It's one of the highest powers your brain can do. Uh, but like if you don't pay your mortgage because you keep on creating, well, that's not too intelligent. Stuff like that. You know what I mean? So um, I'm not better than anybody. I may be better than a couple people. But I'm as cool as you. Uh, and, and when it comes to creating, I just bet you don't believe you can do what you can do. And I have been the guide for many people to show them the way. I don't know if I really did that for everyone, but I've been standing and sitting beside young people, often at the piano, playing for them and behind them, and building them into um, strong and powerful people who can go out into the world and reshape it. You see, when you teach people how to sing, or you back someone up for singing, you're not really teaching them anything about music, although you are, because obviously you're making music. What you're really programming their brain and souls and spirits to do is to tell themselves, I'm going to be heard. I'm going to rehearse and practice that which which I'm saying. That's called singing. But when it comes time, I will dress up. I will charge people to come in. I will look really good and put some lights on me. And I will say, listen to what I am saying or singing. And when you train a person to live like this in a way that's artistic and creative and goes well for chorus, does a lot of things, voice lessons, really you're building an entity inside of a person that many people don't get built up. Okay? The same part of your brain that uh, is used to talk is used to sing. The same part of your brain that's afraid of being judged because of what you look like or wear is the same part of your brain that gets empowered when you are at a microphone and a thousand people start clapping. You ever noticed often in the past, like musicians, they have a, I call them musicians, it's a pretty simple term, but you're going to see that the creative musician 
especially the performer, they dress a little weirdly sometimes or aren't. They stand out often in a lot of ways. They have these quirks and these little the small things socially you might notice. And I'm telling you, it's it's actually the absence of fear of all the things that the smart person, <laughs> the average person, the common person fears, like being judged or making sure you don't say something weird or having the fingers pointed at you. Because we've been overwhelmed and uh, overwhelmed with applause, overwhelmed. We've reconditioned that part of our brain to say, wow, I'll take the risk. I'll sing a song in a foreign language in front of 150 people and see what happens. Once you reprogram that, that's just like a marathon runner, right? You, you meet these girls that can run 20. I, I, there's a girl uh, from a, from my old town there that she's she's like a gazelle. She runs the whole town. She's got like a six-foot stride. And and when you see her, I think she made Olympian-level uh, um, qualifications. That's how dumb I am. When you see this woman running, I mean, I tell her, I told her all the time. I'm sure it was sounded like I was hitting on her, but I was always like, lady, everywhere I go, I'm inspired because I see this deer running down the street with this incredible stride, incredibly focused, always on a mission. And you're just doing what you do. You've just reprogrammed your entire brain and body to believe that you can run 26 miles and not even bat an eye. The average person runs, you know, a half a mile and wants to go to the hospital. So this is just another example of a human who's conditioned herself to believe in this quality that she has, this physical stamina, the ability to run, her form, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when you drive through uh, this area, you, you, if you drive for two weeks, you're going to see her 10 times. Rain and snow, it doesn't matter. And she is inspiring to me. She always has been. And I've I'm not ashamed of saying it. Anyone who inspires me, I tell them. His life is short, but it's like, uh, it's crazy. So I've done the same thing for my ability to speak or be heard, or in a sense, sing and all that stuff, put out information. And you can too. And I, I strongly recommend that you do this because uh, the only people who really have something to say and who are listened to and who can uh, affect change are often the leaders who have the ability to do this. And I'm not saying I'm somehow different than or better than, but if you want an opportunity, you need to start talking because you can't get the opportunity out into the world, even if you're a great typist, if you can post like a bandit, it doesn't matter because human and human contact comes right down to one thing, no electricity and the ability to speak. So that's why how my interlude is going to bring us into education. Okay, you're gonna, I'm going to flip this up and down and all around. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am a very proud teacher. I went to school for teaching. I was inspired at 15 by my teacher. I became a dork of a teacher. I was in love with my life so much. I worked day and night. I produced stuff at night that didn't make any money for myself, but I was submerged in the world of producing ideas with young people. And I'm proud of it. I've left a great track record, um, skewed only by negative people and stuff. But the work that I've done in the eyes of the kids and the parents has been so solid that in order to deface it, you have to create rumor and gossip because you're never going to affect the iceberg that I invented. You've got to chip away at it, if you know what I mean. So I'm proud of all the stuff that I've done. I do it everywhere I go because I'm like a dork. It was my only dream. Just like this runner, right? This girl I'm telling you about, you can lift her up and put her in the Sahara. She's going to run. She's going to pass the camels and all that. You lift her up and put her in China, and she's going to make the rickshaw people look foolish. She can't control that. She is what she repeatedly does. You are what you repeatedly do, okay? So here I am, even though I'm, I've been a little broken, not well. My Lyme disease came out and just smashed me. So I am here on a podcast trying to teach, trying to reach. Oh, man, it would be awesome if one day it was millions. Will you share this? Try to help me out. I'm a nice guy. So I want to help. I want to teach. That's all I've ever done. And now I'm in, a, I'm in my house surrounded by snow. There ain't no kids coming to my place ready to sing. It's COVID has killed it all. And I'm like, oh, I'm so, I got to do what I do. I am what I repeatedly do. So here I am. I'm teaching. And I want to help you, even if maybe you don't want me to help you. you maybe give me to a friend. You'll be helping me, you know. So Education is something that I think is so misunderstood, so abused, so de demonized, so trivialized, and so many other things. 
I preface this with the, this one statement. Do not take this podcast and believe it is somehow representation of teachers that you know, principals, superintendents, custodians, anybody related to a school. If you think for one minute that I am speaking poorly about the people who I invested all of my energy to be around, then you again are one of those troublemaking people that need to maybe, I don't know, get pushed down in the snow or something because you're actually a bully. So take my information, understand my intention, and don't be evil with it because I love the very people that I'm sharing this information about. None of them are broken. None of them are evil. If I found an evil teacher in a school, I would have destroyed them for the safety of the children. I would have made sure that they would have been far away from your children. That's what I do. I protect the young. So none of that existed and none of that is real. So please don't demonize anybody who I have loved in education or whatever I might refer to. Remember that the energy is really a bureaucracy. I love everybody I worked with, probably more than they have any clue. But I was, un I was unclear, and I am unclear, how the bureaucracy actually overpowers the individuals. Think of it like fog, okay? The school and your friends and teachers and all these good-hearted people, they are just the earth. And then the bureaucracy, the fog, comes down upon it. And let me tell you something, you can no longer see the earth. There's still great trees. There's still beautiful deer. There's still helpful rivers and, 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 and creeks. But when the fog comes in, it rules. Bureaucracy is like fog. And there is nothing we can do. I'm not judging it. There is no puller of the strings. It is an American phenomenon, maybe an international phenomenon. And therefore, if you have something that I see how passionate I am, I don't want people to skew this because I love my friends. I love them. And I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the system in general, and everything I would do in my dream to have changed it and how I would change it. If it's a dream, it's a pipe dream, it's not possible. So that's my disclaimer. Don't mess with the teachers. Don't, don't, don't mess with any of them. I love them. I am them. And I was right next to them for a long time trying to fight the good fight before I opened up my own school. But we are all in this together. That's my disclaimer. Ooh, that was a little heated. Sorry, I had a little coffee this morning. So now I'm going to open the door to the bureaucracy cloud. And this is what, you know, as the American people, you don't realize you have all the freaking power. You have all the power. Um, let's talk about the, some re the reality of American uh, money or American tax dollars is that in every single town in America, pretty much, I'm going to say largely, the largest budget of, for tax spending is the public school system in that area. Okay, that is the largest, most um, expensive thing to run in your town. The, because of that, if you are fiscally responsible or a business person in, in, in a sense, or were raised by an Italian immigrant who came from nothing, then you might have a, a bit of a different opinion on how money is spent, how the level of um, effort that's exuded and all the rules and regulations and safety nets and stuff like that that surround education. Um, there is nothing good, bad, or, or indifferent about it. It just is the what it is. It's how it is and how it goes. The, the point I'm making is that if you, if you spend too much time chasing the dragon, hurting the dragon, becoming evil and venge, vengeful toward the dragon, then you will see that um, you'll never win. You're just hurting people who, who got jobs and raised their family. And it's just not worth it. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But you can make an ideal and imaginary uh, situation. And then if you had some cash or had a backer, you can go out into the free market and, and create it. That's what I did. And it's hard and it's dangerous and horrible and they get attacked. and got, I mean, it's just really hard. But it is worth it. And you could really change the lives of many people by doing it. Now, one of the biggest deficits we have in American education is our victim kind of the victimhood, in a sense. So the latest phenomena, since I was a student, a child in the schools, and then became a teacher in the schools, one major transition between the two has been this emotional victimization uh, belief system and or the, uh, the, the full support of bullies, the non-action um, against injustice, the politically correct... Um, avalanche 
that has limited true speak and other things. Uh, multiculturalism, that's not the right word, but in other words, really believing that in every situation, all the time, no matter what or where it is, that um, equality of all kinds in every moment, perfectly, without any fault and no pain is the ex expectation. Again, big hearts and beautiful ideas, very, very tricky to pull off for a continuous amount of time without any pain. Also, the destruction or maybe the removal of uh, religion, or let's even just say the word God. You know, our country was built on like that word God and probably Christianity. I'm sure that's the argument. Although uh, I just hear the word God and then it kind of puts me in safety mode. Like, oh, God, yes, and God we trust and all that. But uh, also the fight against um, Christian holidays like Christmas. Christmas in the schools is a very, very um, horrible thing to talk about. So I'm not saying I right or wrong. Oh, I, I think if we went, I think they're all the holidays are evil in a way. I think they're very dangerous. You can't really do Thanksgiving because of the genocide against Native Americans. So no matter what, we've we've what I'm trying to say is we've taken out American tradition, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. American togetherness. Let's let's all sing songs during Christmas time, even if you're not a Christian, and we've replaced it with a bit of a sterile. Uh, everybody's, no one's going to be hurt or uncomfortable. It is against your human rights to have to uh, say words that you don't believe, like um, the Pledge of Allegiance or uh, Silent Night or um, uh, whatever it is. So all of this uh, really, I call it political, cor political correctness, but there's something else. All this fear of um, retaliation or somehow liability or the destruction of emotions is, is the new way we teach. That's how we teach. And if you were understanding um, mental health issues or psychopathic tyranny or anything that has to do with personality disorders, this would also be called walking on eggshells. Ironically, our schools walk on eggshells, meaning the, um, the right and wrong can be dropped at any time. The guillotine of judgment, based on your common sense or maybe even good-heartedness, could just cut your head off. And once you see that happen a few times, you realize, whoa, yeah, the cloud of bureaucracy is almost welcome because let's blame the cloud, the fog, because every time I make a move that seems to be smart for the well-being of a person or kid or group or larger group or the entire school, all you really need is one, civil, um, one citizen to then declare it evil for their own re reasons, which they have a right. Um, and then, of course, you are, uh, that idea is gone. So uh, that's how it really works. It's not fun to be part of it sometimes if you really are into helping. Because when I was a child, the teachers had were supported by their own goodness. In other words, if there was crummy teachers, everybody knew. And they had a hard time teaching. But if there was average to good teachers, almost all of their decisions publicly, meaning with the students, they weren't so destroyed. They weren't so humiliated or threatened. Um, they just were, they, I guess the word was supported, and especially by our parents. See, our, our parents, if our teachers said that we were bad, our parents got really mad at us, <laughs> and they aligned with the teacher. There was an alliance 60 to 100% of the time. That alliance made it seem as though the adults were working together to help raise the children, kind of like it takes a village. Now, in 2020, and I saw it start to change in 1999, the evolution switched where the rights of every student for every reason at every moment, even if they're 7, 10, 11, 13 years old, their belief system, emotional beliefs about what they're seeing and experiencing have a, more of a right to be heard and take action with than the collective energy of all the adults in the community who are paying the $150 million in tax to, um, uh, to have the school system going. And that irony, where an 11-year-old who can declare, now, of course, you could, there's examples that are disgusting. If there's abuse and all that, that's obviously warranted. We want to arrest the abuser. But once you start walking in the world where the PhD, a 50-year-old PhD who's been serving the community for 30 years is now vulnerable to the 11-year-old's opinion about what that PhD has said, what she's done, who she stands for, that is heartbreaking. 
That's heartbreaking. That is a switch of roles. And although the PhD is not perfect and maybe has an issue here and there, uh, in, in nature itself, if, if you use nature to solve problems, which is what I do, that would mean the little cubs, the little, little baby, uh, um, let's do something real cute. The little duck babies, you know, when a baby, the ducks have like a, the row of little ducks, that would be, here's the eight little ducks swimming, right? And um, they're able to um, com- destroy and eat and kill the uh, coyote who's at the edge of the river drinking water. Now, and, 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 and then what do they do? They don't even know what to do. They don't want to eat it. They just killed it. Now, that was a horrible example. Oh, my God. Jeez. Um, I don't edit, so we're going to leave it in there. But, oh, God, that was dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. Oh, boy. Yeah, sometimes you got to know when to fold them. I'm trying to make a point that if the younger, most inexperienced, feeble, volatile, vulnerable things, children, begin to destroy the ones who are consistent and in power and controlled and have their best interest in mind, that's like parents and children, then we are upside down. We're upside down. I don't want to say any more about it because I'm sure you'll want to attack me. But that's this is crazy. There's a reason why adults raise children, because if you if you have a baby and you walk away from it, it will die. It will die. But for some reason, there's a whole group of people who believe that that's somehow someone else. That's not how it works. And I'm just saying, well, let's t- let's not talk fake. Let's talk real. You want to leave someone vulnerable. You want to attack the all knowing or the, the powerful person who's devoted their energy and time to this craft. You want to cut their head off. For what reason? So that the young or so that there's some vulnerability? Well, then if you're left alone, you will perish. You will perish. Don't eat our food. Don't eat our warm schools. Don't You can't just use the power of the upper person to at your leisure. This is the deal they made with devoting their life to helping your young people. Again, something that some very volatile people will walk into a school and believe they're supposed to shred them. Do you know who I am? They're like, oh, I don't know who you are. You're Jake's father? That's right. And I own this and that and this and that. And I will. And they crush. They just crush the servant. It's a civil servant. It's, it's, it's rather. Um... So let's open the door now to the um, realities of, not, uh, of uh, education in 2020 and even earlier. And um, I call them the acronyms. I don't even know if that's the right word sometimes. I'm a horrible teacher, I guess. But um, I, I had a, I've had a huge problem throughout my career and throughout my life with the medical limitations and terms that we've constructed and, and seen and, and tested and done all this to help uh, people feel as though what is wrong with them, whatever that is, is somehow... I don't know how to say it, like, um, you know, that they, they should rest assured that what is they're struggling with is a, is a problem that has a name, okay? Now, uh, this, is, this is my downfall. I'm sure this is me, probably, I could be filled with 25 problems and I'm in denial, and therefore I, I cut out my own life and decide that they're wrong. Or I can tell you that I've proven against the grain that all the people with all these names that I'm about to tell you, that when they're with me for their own reasons, usually musical, but often friendship, uh, work, um, productivity, that uh, when I was with these people, and you'll understand what people I mean in a second, that I felt as though their names, their terms, their descriptions didn't have as much validity as I wanted to believe that I was trained in school. Uh, the, 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 um, what do you call it? The characteristics, the traits and on and on and on. The first one I'm going to talk about. And again, here we go, folks. This is a very touchy subject. Everybody wants to, is a, is a pro at this and everybody has a belief and experience. I'm just going to share mine and I'm going to tell you the power of the brain and what it can do, whether you call it denial or you call it the ability to thrive. Um, you, you have to embrace that my real life experiences are going to blow you away. I'm about to blow you away and it might ruin your agenda. No, your, your, uh, um, your set of beliefs, because if you may be, think that I'm going to defy all the pain that you experienced with your child 
all the pain that you experienced uh, having these terms. And I am not trying to belittle that. I am simply telling you that uh, the power of the brain and the ability to understand how to thrive in America and the options that you have to thrive in America will prove almost that any term, almost any term, is only limiting because of one reason. Inside of institutionalized living and thinking and working, they can be seen as a problem. Colleges, corporate, church, school, hospital, prison. Okay? When you're in those machines, huge populations, big bureaucracy, limiting time to solve problems based on the amount of people that could have them, you're dealing with, um, well, you're dealing with uh, these easy-to-fix terms. And um, again, if you attack my school friends or you attack, this is not what I'm trying, this is a Greg Colossal phenomena, and I will tell you why I will go to my grave saying this and believing it. So let's open the door to, <laughs> this needs its own intro. This is This to me is, is so, uh, I'm like, I'm getting very emotional, okay? So I'm going to give it its own intro. Ladies and gentlemen, on the new world, we're going to be opening a door right now to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, otherwise known as ADHD. Do you have a hard time focusing? You have a hard time sitting still for seven 48-minute periods a day? Are you a boy who wants to run around all day long and looks out the window and dreams of being in motion? Well, you might have a disease. That's right. You're going to learn more about ADHD right here in this next segment of The New World. Sorry, I have to do that because I think when I get fueled up and stuff, um, I don't know how to handle it. And I'm trying to make it funny and foolish and, and this will be offensive. I think this might be one of my most offensive podcasts, but I still can't stop doing it. Okay, let me, let me roll this out for you. I'm going to start with a story. Okay, it's very simple. Before I go on, I will tell you that I'm related to, I've suffered from, I have submerged myself deep into the world that, uh, of attention deficit, okay? Um, a dedication toward this term that you would think I was a specialist, okay? Um, I, will not, I will not take away from it, and I will not try to tell you that I'm right or wrong. I'm going to tell you my life experiences surrounded by thousands and thousands of children from different socioeconomic classes to different races, to different states and different towns. I'm just going to tell you what I've seen, okay? And that's kind of why I'm so strong about this. If you've been baking bread since you were nine and now you're 50, I'm going to listen to you about how to bake some bread because I can't bake jack. All right. Sorry. You can see I'm getting really revved up, man. I'm so sorry. Here's the story. My good friend, who I love dearly, I'm going to call him Tommy. When we were uh, boys, we were 17 or 18, we were in high school together, Tommy had some help. Tommy got told when he was younger he had a learning disability and, and he suffered from having a hard time uh, you know, being successful in school. And then he was told he had ADHD. He was told this by a trusted teacher slash counselor who he loved because this man never abandoned him, and he really helped him. So Tommy, um, Tommy and I became friends at the end of high school, and hanging out with Tommy was easy because he's a sweet dude, and he's, he's a really good-hearted, uh, good-hearted man. And, uh, and then we went into, and he started to tell me about this thing. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm looking forward to being a teacher. And he tells me about his, his story, now, I don't know anything about his story, but I do know him. 
and I'm going, oh, wow. I'm, I'm like 17. Maybe we're 18. He's, I think he's a year older than me. And I go, man, Tommy, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. And he's like, no, I do have this. And I go, well, why, why are you so smart? <laughs> Uh, you're you're really smart. Like you're smarter than me, and I don't. They didn't call me a name except jerk. No, I'm kidding. And uh, uh, then and then the, uh, the this question, and I'll never forget. He said, "Well, I have you know this is kind of new." He's like, "I have ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder." So you look at him and you're like, "Hyperactive? Like I see kids buzzing all around here." They can't even sit still. Their legs are shaking. They're tapping. They're hyperactive. Hmm. You mean in your mind? They mean they must mean in your mind. Well, yeah, it's kind of part of it and all that. So what's the prognosis? Well, they give me medication. They want me to do this. I have to take special tests and all that. Now, I'm not denying that Tommy struggled with your basic whatever information. Could have been dyslexia. Could have any of those those trials and tribulations. They're real. They're not fake. However... What I learned at that age was I was like, the thing is, well, there's something not right about this for him. And I, I really, I was really revved up about it. I, I don't know why he didn't complain. He didn't ask me to go fight for him. He just, but when I was around him, he kind of had a sense that he was beneath me. And that's not the right term. Like he was so humble and nice that maybe he was just going to put his head down and think maybe he thought I was smart, even though I got horrible grades. Maybe he thought, because I can see how much I can talk, it's like as maybe my talking makes you think that I don't have some whatever, initial deficit. I'm not exactly sure. I never really asked him. But I always felt weird. I'm like, this, this dude's a year older than me, and there's something cool about him. Well, the next year, we would end up going to college, and we would be starting to make music together. Now, the music really made me see him in a different way. This, this dude would start to focus on stuff and accomplish it. And then we started to really go to college, like really reading and studying. Now, here's this man who has a title of ADHD, maybe maybe he had another title too. And all of a sudden, he's absorbing and reading this infinite amount of, of information. He's taking on uh, Nietzsche and he's taking on uh, the, the he's, he's, had, he's heading toward being a genetic uh, geneticist. He's, he's doing like high power science and I'm telling you, like, I don't know many people who would have wallowed in this stuff and absorbed it like he did. You go to his place when he's in his, his house when we're in college, he's got a big book in his hand. I mean, I was in shock that he, I knew this the whole time. I'm like, I don't think these are the right words for him. This isn't the right acronym. Because what I learned really soon was that Tommy didn't have a problem with paying attention Tommy's brain is fire so fast and he's so confident about what he sees and knows that you bore him and he can't hide the boredom because he's actually impulsively focused on something. When you're impulsively focused on something, you appear to be odd to people who can't do that. The multitasking powerhouse of the world is pretty cool, but if you can't put all of your energy into one thing and really streamline it, you will, you will uh, not be as deep on that area as someone who can. I noticed this phenomenon real fast. So I, in college, had to write my first um, paper, my first like education. I'm a teacher. Where do I stand? Write about how you feel, something like that. I'm about 19, 20 years old. And my first paper was about Tommy. And I literally said, there's something horribly, we're doing something wrong. Why would we chop the legs off out of this boy when he's young, even... And, and tell him repeatedly that he has some disease, but not remind him that he's got a power to himself as well. So again, the bureaucracy, remember the fog, the fog comes down and not everybody is saved. People are going to get lost in the fog. It's not personal. There's no evil person in the school saying, I'm going to get Tommy. But this kind of fall through the cracks really bothered me. Now, Tommy has struggled with some, you know, some demons that we all struggle with, but he did it because um, I believe in my heart when you tell somebody at a young age they're broken or something's wrong with them, you know, that sucks. That sucks when the government basically tells you that. Uh, is it as severe as Down syndrome? No, because Down syndrome is something that if you aren't aware is around, could, the young person could, could die. They could put themselves, they need a little bit more care most of the time. That's a different thing. There's, that's a chromosome thing. This was 
a brain a brain change, a brain function thing. And again, I was I started to become upset for him. And I he, I've been it's it's almost weird that I do this. So we go through life. We go through our twenties, and he's extremely successful in his pursuits. He's a very he's sought after in, in a lot of major. Um, uh, what do you call it? A major, uh, I don't know what to call it. Um, try not to say too much. Like science labs that are profoundly popular and, and upper. Oh, my God. I can't even word it. I, I'm trying to not use, you know, I'm trying to keep his, his privacy. Anyway, major players in the field are hiring him, and he's running stuff and all that. So, again, when you, he seems to be hyper-focused. Maybe he, you should call it, I focus too much on something in order to understand it, as opposed to acting like he cannot focus. Well, long story short, he uh, does that. He finds some, uh, he finds some you know, issues later on in his life with uh, relationships and some other stuff. And, uh, and his life gets a little, it changes a little bit. And he ends up leaving the world that he prepared for, just kind of like I did. And he enters, uh, he travels, he goes around the country, and he ends up, in a new home and he's doing different things and he left he left that institutionalized thinking and that whole social norm uh behind you know the salary and the and he he's been doing he's been living a different life now what i what i've noticed is that and i said it to him i thought some part of this should be illegal because when if you walk into a grocery store and somebody has told you that you are somehow different than everybody in the grocery store the brain won't forget that. The brain can overcome it a lot and often, but that's a really weird thing to distribute to people when it comes to something as vague as attention. And again, you'll notice this trend. Now watch this. The boys seem to have it worse than the girls, but education is often 78 to 81% run by females. Now that would be called a misunderstanding. That may be called, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm, I'm female, I run and do well with education, but I don't know what it's like to be a male. And I see the uh, rambunctiousness and how come my threats don't work and why isn't this young person not complying to my demands? And again, if you understand that the entire system is, high, is very, very largely filled with the female energy, that's not a bad thing, it's a very nurturing energy, you might also have to admit that they may misunderstand what it's like to be the male energy. But let's go to nature and see what it can teach us. The male and female energy is very different, so learning and understanding is also very different. If you look closely at the basic fundamental aspects of, of mammals and how they get along, just because humans are mammals, You'll see this very, very different uh, ambition and interaction, also actions, verbs, between the two genders. Uh, again, I, I don't know if I can open up to all the proposed genders, so I'm just going to use male and female. There seems to be this agreeableness among the females. They seem to be camouflaged in their look, and they seem to be really, really centered on the creation of life and the continuation of life, making sure that... Um, uh, what am I saying? Making sure that somebody is um, always safe and uh, and not in not in harm's way. They sit on eggs. They uh, they stay with the the cubs, uh, and they seem to be hardwired both with mammary glands, a womb, to keep the the young alive and safe. Because well, that's a great thing. Uh, the predators and the issues will kill them, and then our civilization or our strain would be dead. Without Mama Bear doing being as crazy she is in the woods, uh, the bear line would die out. They would the cubs would be eaten by other animals, and there'd be no more bears. The female bear at 500 pounds is way more dangerous and crazy than the 1,200 pound male who's walking around. That's a known fact. Everybody knows that. So, if you can respect this, you can go like, hmm. There seems to be a difference between male and female. Um, brain energy, personal energy, natural instincts to thrive and live, and we should have we should embrace them as well as humans. Because what you're going to notice now is that let's use birds as the female sits on the eggs. The male is often on the run. He's flying all over the place, and he's bringing twigs back to the nest so she could put them in. He's getting worms and spitting them into their mouths. 
and he's 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 bringing cigarette butts and she's putting them in the nest as well. Oh, nice. I love Marlboros. The bird, the male bird is on the move. He is not stopping. She sits tight because you know what? Those eggs will be eaten and the birds will die. Now, of course, that is just the motherhood part of female and male, but it's very, very much ingrained in anything that has a womb, mammaries, uh, lays eggs, makes eggs, etc. So if you use that philosophy, and, there, and, and so let's go back to um, the, the, Ameri- um, sorry, the human. The human female has been proven to be more agreeable than the human male. Studies have proven this, that uh, groups of females create more agreeableness among them because conflict and all of that stuff is avoided at most costs. Now, we know the men are different. We know war and violence and fighting because that is not a trait of the male. The male's traits lead them to more um, uh, explosive decision-making and more um, reckless behavior because part of the idea of testosterone is to roam freely, search for um, prey, protect from predators, and provide for others. That is what testosterone inside of the male body has done. The estrogen aspect to the female is protect life, um, blend in, and be careful for the threats because the most dangerous thing in the world to a female has always been the male. You see, they use tactics of what we would might call manipulation, but it's not fair to say that. They use whatever tactics they can in order to survive and thrive among Again, the male population, what at one time was the most deadly thing they ever faced. Now, if you can respect all this and think that I'm even remotely right, then when you are in a classroom and a boy can, I'm going to use boys, although girls have the same issue, it's just proportionally higher in boys. Medication's higher in boys. The, um, the accusations of being uh, inappropriate and being out of control, behavior, all that is higher in boys. And I was a teacher. And I did the same thing, incidentally, in my 20s. I didn't know I was doing it, but I fell for it. Then I fixed it. And I'll tell you how I fixed it later on. Now, all I'm trying to get you to understand is that maybe, just maybe, that these words and things and the stuff that we say to young people as, as these acronyms, well, you, you, you can't focus, John. You're not focusing on my uh, science lesson about amoebas. You know, there's a, you know, we have to get through this amoeba lesson in the next 14 classes. You come in here and you keep looking out the window and you're tapping your feet and you're not present and you go to the bathroom and you're not even going to the bathroom and you get up and you check your phone and you're talking to people and you are a problem, John. You're a problem. Of course he is. He is a problem in an institutionalized idea where he's supposed to sit and repeat these actions all the time like everybody else and he's being measured against people that isn't fair because they're using a a metric system or a matrix that isn't taking into consideration that he might be full of testosterone. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, if we're studying amoebas, maybe we should study testosterone. Is he evil? Is he bad? No. You see, this is what we've done to almost an entire gender, but definitely an entire uh, generation. And we want these people to walk around with Adderall and uh, I don't remember them all and medications so that they could say, listen, listen, Johnny, you're a little bit out of control with your thinking and your talking and your ability to move. And you're never going to have a job here at a cubicle uh, on the 19th floor of this building. But if you take this medication, there's a good chance you won't be on the streets and unemployed and hurting because you have a disease, John. You have a disease. And this medication, in my wisdom, it's going to help you. And you'll be able to sit at that computer way longer and make me so much freaking money that you're going to love the benefits I give you to make sure you can go get that drug again because it's real expensive without, medic- uh, without coverage. There ain't nothing wrong with what I just said, but there seems to be something very wrong with what I just said because no one tells the boy, John, come here, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story about my father. You don't want to work on the 19th floor of that building in a cubicle. That's what your body's telling you. 
you're not better or worse than all the people around those cubicles. Those are all good people who can sit there and do good work. It's no, it's no big deal. It's no bad thing. There's nothing wrong with you, John. But take the writing on the wall. Listen to your body. Listen to the messages nature's sending you. What do you think about being a lumberjack? That's crazy. What do you mean a lumberjack? I'm just saying. You, you, climbing trees, cutting them down. There's, there's people that make all of their money handling trees and wood so that uh, either uh, for safety or for lumber or for lots of reasons, they handle wood. You're climbing, you got a tra- chainsaw, you got sticks in your, you got a whole nine yards. What do you think? But that's not, I mean, my, my mom said I have to go. Yeah, I'm just trying to say, be open to ideas, John, because your body and mind may not be uh, accepting for what a whole bunch of people are telling you you should do. You don't even have to listen to me. All I'm telling you is that you can live in this world. This country is absolutely amazing. You might even make more money logging than you would as a computer programmer for an insurance company, if that's a goal. I don't know if it's a better life or a worse life, but you know what's a worse life? Feeling like you're messed up and sitting among people who are better than you. Waking up every day and popping a pill because someone told you that your brain is somehow dysfunctional and that this pill will make it all better. In my opinion, John, happiness comes from productivity, being the king of your castle, feeling like you are a person who contributes to the world, who doesn't hurt people, but nor will be hurt by others. And I'm going to tell you a secret. The more you spend time with people who aren't like you, who can sit still and operate a computer without saying a word, the more you might suffer internally. Have you ever thought about the Navy? What about being on a ship, working with aircrafts? John, the future and your potential is endless. This They're not telling you all of your options. They're just showing you what their job is to do is to get you to understand what a white-collar institutionalized behavior, in a sense, I shouldn't say white-collar, but middle-class uh, average contributions to our country, uh, what you need to do and how you need to do it. And they, that's their job. That's what we decided education is to 85 million children a year. I'm telling you that it's, they, won't, they don't have it in them to say, go be a logger. We're going to teach you how to be a logger. That's not even their job, unfortunately. I'm here to tell you, Go be a logger. Go outside right now. Start working with your hands. Understand what you can do, why you're fit, why you're valuable. Because it's not all the same. And let me tell you something. If you can build a house, if you can build something with your hands and you know how to do that, guess what all those people need when they're inside working on, on a computer? They need a building, John. They cannot build a building. They have to wait for you to come with your exhausting energy, and all of your moving around and hustling, and you need to build them a building to shelter them so that they could use their skills to make money for someone else as well. You are not evil. You are not broken. This is a symbiotic relationship. There's nothing wrong with you. You understand me, John? There's nothing wrong with you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've had this talk. I'm not joking. I'm not joking when I say I have said that somewhat to that degree, probably, hold on, I'm going to say over 100 times in about 10, 20 years, probably 100 times. I wasn't mad at anybody. Maybe I'm a little mad at the bureaucracy. I just, I just don't like bullies. I don't think we should be telling people that they're bad or whatever. Yeah, 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 but I, I'm not now. Here come the therapists and the, and the social workers and the shrinks. And the, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the, uh, ah, I forgot their name. And now I'm evil because I'm not sensitive. The mother says she can't handle it anymore. He's not doing his homework. He's getting Fs. I can't take it anymore. The school keeps calling. She stays after school. He doesn't do it. We have no money for a tutor. I can't do this anymore. I work in two jobs. My husband left. His brother's on drugs. His sister is probably pregnant. We don't know what to do. Don't you understand, Greg, that he can't focus, that he has a problem and that this pill or whatever is needed, I want to do whatever I need to do to help my son. Why do you have to say all this crap? We can't get him to a lumberjack school. He's not going to be a lumberjack. He's not going to build houses. He just has to take this pill and know that he's different, and it's no big deal. Why do you have to make him feel so bad, Greg? 
Oh. Oh, yeah, no, I totally, totally, totally misspoke. I, I feel horrible. I feel awful. My bad. Johnny, take the pill. Good luck. What do you think out there? Do you hate me? You wouldn't hate me if I loved your son like that. If I kept an eye on Johnny for a couple more years out of school, if I let him email me or message me on Facebook when things were broken, if I let him follow me around to see what I did for a living or introduce him to other men who would let him shadow, would that make things a little better? Who is the pill for? Who needs the pill to be swallowed? Johnny or other people? Save our boys. This is Greg Colossal. I can't even go on. I'm kind of emotional. Save our boys. They've done nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. You've listened to another episode of The New World with Greg Colossal. And you just listened to something that I'm very proud of. Have a good day, everybody.